Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. Holy Spirit, this morning we ask, may you speak to us. May your words be clear. May your words be to each and every one of us to fill our cups. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. Receive all the glory, the honor, the praise, for there is none like you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been on a journey. Talking about the attributes of God or the character of God. Trying to, in a way, break down the different facets that God represents or of who God is. And as a series, it's one that we can talk about the different facets of God for the rest of the year and still need another year or two to be able to fully dissect the different attributes of God. And you know, the first week, Lillian, Dr. Lillian just talked through the different lenses. And then Ben talked about the justice of God. And Sam talked about uh, Jesus or God as a healer. And you know, what we are doing and we are spending time going through the different attributes of God so that there can be light and revelation that we can be able to perceive God and know God in a different light than what we have known God as. Because as Sam astutely says, I hope I'll say it correctly, that the entrance of the word of God brings light and understanding. Hello? And as this light and understanding shapes our heart, it is able to bring forward a different way in which we can be able to approach God. Hello? But all this is to say it's not just us talking about the different attributes of God for the sake of it. But the goal, the aim is that there shall be a deposit inside of our hearts that will help us know that one, we can be able to come and approach God. Because maybe you are here and all that you've had as a concept of God is that God is a disciplinarian. A father who is just waiting for you to mess up so that he can spank you. Hello? But that there is a facet of God that God is loving. And that as we look and as we dig in, that we will be able to, one, have a better understanding of God, and two, we will be able to come and be able to go before God without any fear or anything that wants to hold us back. The second key thing of why we are going through this series is so that we can ask you as an individual, what perception needs to shift about how you have viewed God all your life? What needs to shift? And so that is the journey that we are going to be on. And you know, thinking and preparing about um, this whole series, they there were cycles of storms that I remember, Simba and myself, Ezra and Ella, now that they are part of the equation, that we've gone through over the years. I'll share some of them with you. Maybe some you've never had. So, you know, 
The first one was this, <laughs> and you'll get the point at the end. When I started having an intention to marry Simba, quite a number of years back, I remember, because I knew what God had placed in my heart, and I knew what I wanted. Giddy, stop laughing. Take notes, Giddy, take notes. Follow this script. So, <laughs> my wife told me, let us pray. And we prayed for a whole year. A whole year. You know, there's someone who is laughing because they proposed and they were told yes. You know, our stories can't be the same. <laughs> that is the beauty of God. Our stories can't be the same. And so, a whole year passed before she said yes. Please, this is my this is this is my story. Why, why all of a sudden are you sharing it as if it is yours? You you will have yours. A whole year passed, and the whole year was very essential for us to be able to grow in certain parts of our lives. Not that we were not talking, but we held on to the fact that one, God is faithful. And if he has said it, he will bring it to pass. You know, we are, and I was even talking to someone and I was saying, it's almost like there is a new generation that is emerging that waiting is never part of the equation. So it, was, it is always about the here and now. But it is not always about the here and now. Because if you come to the table and then you find your plate is dirty, you have to go and wash that plate first. Anyway, let me not digress. And so, once we got married, we are happy, we are married. We stayed for a father one year with no idea of where our next income will come from. So money is not the excuse of whether to get married or not. You, you, you do not get married because you have enough in the bank. Because if that were the case, and maybe you will strike and get money by the time you are 40. <laughs> not saying that is the case. And I'm saying this as well because this is our story. So, a whole one year. And in this one year, I remember having a conversation with my stepbrother. And then my stepbrother is saying, and you know, by that time, I had started my classes, my master's in Daystar. <laughs> so he said, you know, you are learned, Yes. I see there is an advertisement for you to join Kanjo Askari, City Council Askaris. Then he said, you know, these guys, at the end of the day, they collect a lot of bribes. 
So you'll be able to be sustained by bribes. I remember I went and had a conversation with God. I said, Lord, have we reached to a point whereby that this is the only solution? Then a year through it, we kept saying and pronouncing in our home and we're saying, God has given us one year of extended honeymoon. And one year later, God opened doors. In between, there are times when you'd apply for a job and someone would say, and this is one of the things you never want to hear someone telling you, that you are overqualified. So you're like, yes, I am overqualified. Just give me that job. I, I, I will not announce to anyone that I have done a degree. I'll not announce to anyone of all that I have done. But in that whole year of not having a job, we saw the provision of God like never before. So then, the job came through. Then at, an, at a certain point, we were asked to become pastors here. And we had no clue whatsoever what needed to be done. It was a scary thing for us. But years down the line, God has been faithful. In and between, before even that period of time, we had some medical crisis just after Ezra and Ella were born. And still, in that whole process, we kept seeing the faithfulness of God. Then, after that, we lost our dad, taken to court, and it was a whole cycle of events that took place. But still, even through all that, we have kept seeing that God is faithful. And that is the attribute this morning I want to talk about, the attribute of God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful. That you know, even in the midst of the periods of time whereby we cannot see him, he is still there with us. Even in the times and in the seasons whereby it feels as if he is not speaking anything, he's still there with us. And we're going to look at this through scripture. And so, one of the key things we learned during this period of time is we learned how to cling on what God has said over our lives. And we learned how to make that as our declaration. We didn't want to speak of our situation. We didn't announce to anyone that, hey, it's been six months and we've never had a job. We've never had an income. But what we did, we kept talking about God being able to provide amidst all the seasons that we were in. Hello? So we tied our circumstance to the word of God and that became our declaration. The seasons when we were feeling as if we were troubled and a sense of hopelessness, we made Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 19 to 20 as our declaration. And it says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. 
that Jesus has already gone in there in there for us he has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek in the times when we were discouraged feeling as if you know i love 100 meter runs because they are short marathons for me are never the thing in in high school we were, we had cross country this was amongst my worst days. Frank identifies with that. The others were in very uh, posh academias. They never had cross countries. <laughs> Frank, Fr Frank always looks as if he has a story to tell about his high school life. So, you know, because at times as well, it feels as if life is a marathon when all that you are prepared for was a 100-meter sprint. And so even when we were facing and feeling a sense of that this is an endless cycle that does not end, we kept speaking to ourselves, Philippians chapter 1 from verse 6, that and I am certain that God who began the good work within us will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returned. And the story that I've often shared as well of the man who had a dream and he was talking to God and he was on the beach and he kept seeing two sets of footprints. And then on one turn, he, say, he said, he asked God, I only see one set of footprints. And I can imagine and I see that this was a period of time when it was very hard for me to cope with the things that were coming my way. But then God told him that that is the time when I was carrying you through. And so that, that is a story that I've shared because that has been our experience. That God has carried us through our difficult seasons of life. So, let's define what, is, what do we mean by the faithfulness of God. So, the faithfulness of God means that one... God is unchanging in nature. That he does not change. And the scripture that I want us to look at is Psalms 102 verse 26. I'm reading from the NLT version. It says, long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, perish, sorry, perish, perish. <clears throat> They will perish, but you remain forever. They, are, they will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. That he does not change. It continues to say, but you are always the same. You will live forever. That he is the same today, tomorrow, forever. That he is unchanging in nature. This, however, does not mean that the circumstances in our life that we do not pray in the different circumstances that we are in just because God is unchanging. Remember, God is unchanging because he has all knowledge. Hello? He has all the knowledge of what will happen now, tomorrow, and forever. 
But that also does not mean that when we are in circumstances that we need to plead to God for there to be a change, that we do not do that. Because he is unchanging by himself as a nature. But circumstances can change through prayer. Let me say it again. He himself is unchanging in his nature. But in our circumstances, they are changing when we start addressing our circumstances through prayer. There's someone who is still not getting it. I'll say it a third time. That in all the issues of life, he remains unchanging in his nature. But the circumstances that we are dealt with, we have a unique opportunity to go to him who is not changing to change our circumstances. So that means we do not lose heart even when we face difficult circumstances because we can come to God. Second scripture. Numbers 23, 19 what Balaam made a profession about. And he said, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So he is unchanging in nature. The second thing about God's faithfulness or the faithfulness of God, what it means is that he is true to his word. Hello? That he is true to his word. And let's, let's, let's read this verse. Psalm 138 from verse 1 to 2. And it's, it starts off by saying, I will praise you. This is New King James. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple. And praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. So when we are saying that he is true to his word, this is what we mean. That if God has said something over your life, that that word, he is faithful to ensure that that word comes true. That if he has committed anything to you as an individual in your walk with him, that he is faithful enough and will look through scripture of the times and the seasons he spoke and he spoke to the children of Israel about circumstances and issues that they could not even see in their timeline. But in his nature of being a faithful God, whatever he has said to you, he will bring it to pass. And that's why Balaam was, was making a, pro, a proclamation when we read the other part and said, has he spoken, has he not brought it to life? I've paraphrased. That anything that he has said and has released to Mike Ayo as an individual. That all the things that he speaks over your life. That there is absolutely nothing that should stop that which God has released over your life. The only person, by the way, who can stop the things that I've released to Mike Ayo is Mike Ayo. And so, what this means is this. That the things that he has spoken... You know, 
in other places he says, write the vision down. Though it tarries, because there can be a process of tarrying, but that it will come to pass. Because one, God is faithful to accomplish that which he has said. And in this verse, there, there are two arguments that are normally put forth. When he speaks about he has exalted his word above his name. Now, scholars disagree and agree on one thing or the other concerning that same line. One, there are those who are saying that what this verse means is that he has elevated his word with the same elevation as his name. But on others, it says that he has elevated his word above his name. That he has, as, uh, he has self Righteousness, let me try and explain from what Sam explained. He has self-righteousness that whatever he says that he will do, he has to do it. That in the same way when we are talking about us as human beings needing self-righteousness, that if we say I'm going to show up at 9, you do not show up at 10.30, that it is the same thing when God says I will do it, he will do it. That he has pegged his reputation on the fact that he is a God who does what he has said he will do. That he has risked his reputation to be able to do all that he has said he will do over Frank's life. And sometimes all that needs to happen is Frank needs to get out of the way. So at times it is you needs to get out of the way. So that you do not become a blockage to that which God has already said he is releasing over your life. Are you tracking with me this morning? Three, on the same, that he has promised salvation to his people. And will keep his promises forever. That he is worthy of eternal trust. No matter how unlikely the promises seem. That no matter how unlikely a promise looks like, no matter how far-fetched, that you cannot even start talking to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you know the Lord woke me up yesterday night. And he revealed some things that I want to share with you so that you can pray with me. Then when you start sharing, he starts asking you, are you sure you heard from God? Maybe it was your own emotions. Hello? Are you sure that you heard from God? Or maybe you had eaten a lot of starch before you went to sleep. But it says that he is worthy of eternal trust no matter how unlikely his promises seem. And you know, the essence of true faith is taking God at his word. Let me say it again. The essence of true faith is taking God at his word and relying on him to do as he has promised. This is a quote by Wayne Grudem. So let me try and illustrate. Uh, Gideon and, 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 and Terence, come. Come. So, no, le, le, um, uh, that is fine. So this is what I'm trying to illustrate. So, in this instance, Terence is playing the role of, what just this illustration? God. 
people like some when they are given some roles but gidi is playing the role of now the non believer who is becoming a believer so non believer first sit there ah terence look at look at him so one now you can stand up just stand there it says he who comes to god must believe that he is so the the starting point of everything of making the journey from unbeliever to believer is by one having the concept and the belief that god is we'll read that scripture and not just god is but you get drawn to him by the salvation that he has already stretched out so then gidi comes to god gidi is refusing so he has come to god and as he communes with god in intimacy that's why you know it's never enough to just come to christ through now you are a believer that you come and then you go back move away but we are called as we have come to god that we make it our habit that we continuously are able to commune with god hello and as you commune with god hold god's hand in front here gidis gidis doing his own things in the in the intimacy of being with god then god can be able to entrust gidi with things that are not within sometimes his own timeline hello and if it is something that is hard and as i am planting it as god is planting it in gidi as a seed that it takes gidi to have the character of believing that god is faithful for gidi not to start thinking hey maybe i had wrongly hello because you know being believing and knowing the attribute of god's faithfulness is key for gidi to continue on in this relationship tunapatana so in this instance it is in the intimacy of god and with god that god is able to even entrust things for you to be able to handle things that sometimes are too are too big for your current capacity to handle just say there for a minute even things that are too hard for you to be able to conceptualize at that specific period of time let me give you an example in the bible it is in the same example that we are given of abraham and we'll we'll read that scripture but it says at a certain point when abraham was walking with god that god comes and says how will i hide from my friend abraham and he says you know I, let me just make let, let me just tell my friend what i am about to do and then his god comes and tells abraham about what he wanted to do 
about, about Sodom and Gomorrah. And because of the closeness of the friendship, Abraham is trusting God and has that ability to conceptualize the fact that God is not a liar. And remember, Abraham was coming to a God that he had not known before. Because when Abraham was being told, leave where you, are, where you know and follow where I will lead you, there had to be an element of Abraham trusting God. And so in the things that God gives us and tells us, we must be able to grasp the fact that God is faithful for us to follow what he's telling us. And so Abraham is told, not just that about Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham is also told in a vision that after God telling Abraham, you know, I am going to multiply you and bless you abundantly. And you know, God is coming and telling Abraham about him blessing him when he had no child. And so if you are there and you are Abraham and God is telling you, I will bless you and multiply, what will you think? You might think, you know, maybe I did not drink enough water. Now I'm having my own things that I am seeing. And so, he tells, he tells Abraham that your own descendants, the people that I'm going to multiply you through, that they are going to go into captivity for 400 years. Hello? And he's talking to Abraham about a timeline that is not even within the same timeline as Abraham. And so in the intimacy with God, we can expect not just God to speak to us about things of our timelines, but we can press in to get things beyond our timelines. That's the point. Don't just settle to be told about what is going to happen while you're here on earth during your timeline. But there is a way in our intimacy with God that God is able to transcend time as he speaks to us. So we must be open to that fact. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Abraham. <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying this as well. This is not even part of the preach. I'm saying this because sometimes we can be too settled about what God is saying to us in the here and now. Again, that all we want is answers for our now, but we fail to know that in our pressing to God, that God can unveil things that are for tomorrow. That God can speak to you about things about your great-grandchildren. Because he is God. That is the point. So, in this regard, there is a sense of overcoming shame and guilt as we come to God, knowing that he is. There is a sense as we know who he is, we press in our intimacy, and this we do through prayer, through the word of God, through meditation, reflecting on God's word. Hello? Not Middle Eastern, the humming of meditation, but the meditation of sitting with scripture. You open the scripture and you sit with it until God starts to speak to you through that scripture, or that verse, or that, that, that chapter. That we do not just read for the sake of reading, Bible app, so we can complete a cycle. But we read for the sake of hearing God 
utter and speak promises that are able to come into our very spirit to become a truth that we know. Because as Sam rightfully said, it is the truth that you know that sets you free. If you are relying on Frank's truth, Frank will never use his truth on you. He can only speak about his truth, but you must be able to capture your truth. And because he speaks as he speaks then, life can come in. And as life can come in, it starts becoming your prayer. And you know, you start professing, you know, you know, you who began a good work in me, that you will not fail until I reach the completion of this, this journey. That it may be tough right now, but you are still at work. That I may not be able to see it, but you are still the author and the finisher of my faith. That I may not be able even to grasp it, but Lord, you are in control. That's how we press in. That's how we turn God's truth to become our truth. So as we do that, then we are increasing our capacity to be able to press in into what God is doing. Because we know that he who has said is not a man that he should lie. And he will not wake up tomorrow and tell you, Ayo, I told you yesterday that you are going to do X, Y, and Z. I've changed my mind. No, no, go back. Mm -mm. He who has said is faithful. Let me preempt this point. You know? So, Sam also at one point said, because God speaks to us in various ways, there are times he will come and he will call you, will call you out, Victor, that says the Lord. And Victor gets a direct word from God. But he has continuously and has continuously and continues to speak through this word. And so, as we read, we can pick on a truth. And that truth becomes our truth. And as we stand on that truth, then, because God has elevated his word above his name, then we can count on the faithfulness of God fulfilling that word in our lives. Hello? That we do not just wait for a man of God from South Africa to come and tell you, you know, Ayo, this is what the Lord is saying. Yes, it may happen well and good, and we thank God for that, and we thank God for that ministration. But at the same time, he is continuously speaking. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, hey, you thought I'd forgotten. <laughs> tell your neighbor, neighbor, God is speaking to you. Ben, let me know how many minutes I have. God is speaking to you. And so it, is, it becomes important. That's why when we, when we are reflecting, and you know, um, Bill Johnson said something the other day that was fascinating. He said he does not just read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible or for completing the one year reading the Bible. But he said he would sit on a verse or on a chapter until those words come alive in his spirit. Because that word becomes life when we are able to grasp it. It becomes life when we are able to grasp it. 
it becomes life when we're able to grasp it. Let's proceed. And to give some examples of what God had said and how he actually did it. Then we can proceed. So the first example is in Genesis. Genesis chapter 15 from verse 12 to 16 from the New Living Translation. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, just as I said, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. In the, in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. They do not warrant their destruction. Okay. Then when, let's go to Exodus. Exodus 15 from verse 31. This is what the Bible says. And Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. <laughs> All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible for they thought we will all die. The Israelites took their bread their bread dough, before yeast was added, they wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. That the Lord caused, mark that, those words, that the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. That that night, the people of Israel left Ramesses and started for Sarkoth. There were about 600,000 men plus all the women and children. Remember, this whole started with God speaking to one man and telling this one man, I am going to bless you and multiply you and make you to be many. It continues to say, um, a, a, rubble, a rubble of non-Israelites went with them along with great flocks and herds of livestock, yeah? even those who are not counted part of the blessing. For bread, they baked um, flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. That the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year 
that all the Lord's forces left the land. That on this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. That God himself watched that whole night for that whole promise to be accomplished. And it says, just as he had spoken to Abraham about the, his children moving out with great wealth, that God stirred the hearts of the Egyptians, that they became even over generous just to fulfill his word. Let's stand on our feet. In another verse, it also speaks about, oh, when you turn to Jeremiah 29, from verse 10, it speaks about by the time when the children of Israel, Jeremiah is talking to them and telling them that they were going to go into captivity. And it, it says this, let me just read these two scriptures then we will pray. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. That in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find. And the fulfillment of this is in Ezra chapter 1. NLT I'm going to read. It says, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild He's this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Verse 5, it says, Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and the Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And I am praying. My prayer is twofold. One, but the things that God has spoken over our lives, the promises that he has spoken to you. If I were to ask you, what has God been saying to you? Are you clear about what God is saying to you? And then secondly, 
in each of the examples we've read, it speaks about a God who has honored his word being the instigator to ensure a fulfillment of the word that was spoken. And so, in the same breath, I am praying and making this declaration that over the things that God has spoken to you, some that have seemed as if they have tarried, some that have seemed as if they have taken long for them to even come to fruition, that in the same manner that God stirred the heart of King Cyrus and in the same manner that God stirred the heart of the Egyptians, that the same God will stir up whoever that needs to be stirred up for the promise of God to come alive within what he has said and told you. that you shall experience God as a faithful God who is able to ensure that that which he has said, that he is not a man that he should lie. And even over some of these things that maybe he has spoken over your life, and it seems as if they, you've waited for too long that even now they are, not, they are no longer even within your memory because you did not write them down. That in the name of Jesus, just praying for a stirring up of your heart, of your mind, of your soul, of everything that God has spoken over your life. To the glory and honor of your name. So with every eye closed. With every eye closed. What has God promised? What has God said over your life? What has God been releasing over you? Lord, may you stir people's hearts and minds, Lord, to even bring to remembrance the things that, Lord, you had promised over their lives. I pray let there be a stirring, Lord, over the things that, Lord, you had spoken over people's lives. I pray let there be a stirring in people's spirits over the things that, Lord, you declared over them. I pray let there be a stirring over the things that you had spoken over your people in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, let there be a stirring in people's hearts over the things that you had committed to their hands in the name of Jesus. I pray let there be a stirring. May you bring to remembrance the things that they had in their spirits that they, they even had said, this is not from God. That it seemed as if it is too difficult for them to even imagine that being the case. Lord, I pray let there be a stirring Lord from right now in people's hearts, in people's memories over the things that Lord you had spoken over them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray let there be a stirring 
Lord, even over those who feel as if they've been waiting and that the promise has grown stale, let there be a stirring right now, right now, right now. In the name of Jesus, let there be a stirring. Let there be a stirring. Let there be a stirring. I, I announce a stirring of the things that you had said over people's lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce a stirring over people's hearts, over the things that you had committed over them. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I also speak to those who have felt like giving up because it has seemed as if the promise has tarried way too, it's gone on too long. I pray, Lord, let there be an infusion of new strength. I pray let there be an infusion of a new lease of life within them. Because Lord, we know from your word that Lord, you who promise you are not a man that you should lie, nor a son of man that you should change your mind. You are an unchanging God. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, let there be a stirring of strength from deep inside for those who are waiting on you for specific and particular things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, even over those that received promises. And like Sarah, they laughed because they couldn't imagine that this can be done. Holy Spirit, let there be a starring. Let there be a starring this week. Let there be a starring. Let there be a starring to the glory and honor of your name. Lord, for all those that, Lord, you need to move through for actualization of the different promises, we say yes and amen. 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 Do it, Lord. Lord, if you need to move us out of the way in the fulfillment of promises that, Lord, you've spoken to us and over our lives, Lord, do it and move us out of the way to the glory and honor of your name. We thank you. We bless you and we magnify you, Lord, for there is none like you. Receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. For there is none like you, Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.